0: I went to El Salvador for the first time in November 2021 during the Adopting Bitcoin and a lot of Bitcoin conferences and also, you know, when the Volcano Bond were announced.
1: Yeah. Samson Mouse thing. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I went with Max and Stacy. Uh We filmed a few Kaiser reports. Uh, we filmed a few other things. And when I was there, I just, it felt so nice being there. It was the first time I actually spent Bitcoin, you know, sats. And it was a beautiful experience. There were two um, women on the beach. And one had, uh, you know, a phone and a QR code, and the other had a, a beer and a bottle opener. I scan the QR code. It's like I hear a ding. I see the green check mark. I hear, and then I'm holding this cold beer, looking at the sunset, and it was just like all my senses got hit. You know what I mean?
2: Welcome back to the Freedom Footprint Show, a Bitcoin philosophy show with Knut Svonholm and me, Luke the Pseudo fan. With us today is Bitcoin Shooter, Bitcoiner, independent filmmaker, and storyteller. We'll talk about his experience in El Salvador, shooting his short film Comeback Country, his plans for a full-length movie, and his hopes for the future. From his first time spending SATS to a discussion about the symbiotic nature of Bitcoin we have a lot to dive into. We'll even cover a topic that I'm particularly interested in, so stay tuned for that. But before we start, just a reminder that the best way you can support the show is to stream us some sats or send us a boost on value for value podcasting app like Fountain or Breeze. If you get value from the show, please consider sending us some value back. Thanks to everyone who is already supporting the show this way. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe to the channel, and turn on notifications so you never miss a weekly episode. And finally, we want to thank today's sponsors, Orange Pill App, Wasabi Wallet, and Consensus Network. All their information is in the description, and we'll talk a little more about them later. And so, without further ado, Bitcoin Shooter on the Freedom Footprint Show. Okay, Bitcoin Shooter, welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show.
0: Hey guys, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Very excited for our talk today. Happy
1: to have
2: you, man.
0: Okay, Uh,
2: just to start off, can you uh, tell us a little bit in our audience about yourself and uh, the work that you're doing?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm an independent filmmaker. You know, I've been doing it for 15 years, mostly for uh, businesses, making like, you know, two to three minute short films. Um, And over the last year, really getting into the Bitcoin space, did some stuff for Max and Stacy. made a a short 10 minute film on El Salvador called Comeback Country. And um, now I'm working on a, a full length film. To talk about inflation uh, corruption and of course uh bitcoin so that's what i'm doing sounds great yeah comeback country i I watched that movie
1: uh a fascinating story about a fascinating country i guess you spent a lot of time there like how much of uh, how much time have you spent there in total at this
0: point not a ton of time but in total i've probably been there for about a month
1: yeah there's a lot of different opinions about what's going on in that country. Like, uh, Bukele has obviously done some great stuff with the Bitcoin thing and uh, you know lowering taxes and freeing up stuff. And he, yeah, but the, but but also like bil- building a giant prison and then imprisoning people for uh, sort of for having tattoos. <laughs> then again, it, it's a country that I guess needed a bit of iron f- gloves to 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 get their problems sorted out because there was a lot of murders and stuff. Gang violence going on there. So, what, what, what's what's your what's your view on that? What's your view on Bukele and what he's doing? Like, what's your opinion, if if you could even say? I mean,
0: right? No, I, of course, yeah, um, of course I can. So, uh, the first thing you said was there's different opinions as to you know what El Salvador is doing, and I think that's true outside of El Salvador. But if you actually go visit El Salvador and you just talk to regular people, it's unanimous. I don't think I came across one person actually that was critical of Bukele. Um, they were all very, very, very happy with what he's doing, and um, the common theme was, you know, they see the change in the country. And it's not just somebody who's saying they're going to do things and they're going to believe what he says. So, um, you know, if you go, if you go off of the opinions of the people who live there, it's pretty unanimous that they are, uh, yeah, they're they're living a life that they never thought they could. You know, imagine, you know, living in a house where you have a gang on. This side of your street and another gang on this side of your street. And if you go to this side, this gang assumes you're from this side, and vice versa. And people were telling me they literally couldn't leave their houses. So of course they're experiencing, um, you know, a much better life. And in terms of the the prisons, well, um, yeah, you know, it's been a problem that's festering for decades, right? The gangs have killed more people than uh, the Civil War did. They were just like festering there, and so you have tens of thousands of gang members shaking, you know, everyone down to, from like, you know, uh, businesses to like tortilla sellers and previous administrations, you know, weren't doing anything about it. I, I've interviewed people that have said that, you know, like this uh, one woman I talked to almost got kidnapped. And luckily there was a security guard by and he, she kind of got his attention and, and the guy ran away and she told the security guard like, hey, like, why don't you call the police? Like, let, let's arrest this guy. And the security guard said, what for? They're not going to do anything. He's just going to know more about you, where you live, and he'll probably go there and kill you. So I think when you have a country that the justice system isn't working, they're not locking people up, you're going to have a lot of criminals. Yeah, you're, you're going to have a lot of people to, to, to put in prison. So yeah, I, I think they're doing a good job based on what I hear from the people down there. Uh, talk to Gladstein or you talk to people on Twitter, you're going to get a different perspective. But you go down there and um, yeah, you'll hear from the people.
1: Yeah, the the reason I'm reluctant to embrace El Salvador as some sort of utopia at this point is that what you're telling me is very similar to another place uh, I've been to uh, that also had, you know, a a corrupt government before there was a revolution. And uh, nowadays, everyone is pro-government and everyone says that everything's dandy. And that place is Cuba, Mm -hmm. you know, 50 years after the revolution. Uh, and that was one of the scariest places I've been to just because of that, that everyone loved the government, which was obviously a, a lie to a large extent, because they, they didn't dare say anything else because of, uh, you know, threat of imprisonment. What I, obviously, Bukele is more pro-free market than the communists in Cuba. But what I'm scared of is is that that kind of development that you get in El Salvador 50 years down the line, where everyone says that they're perfectly happy with the government, but they only say so because they have a, a, a barrel uh,
0: pointed at their face. So any concerns like that? Did you feel like? Uh, no concerns at the moment. And, you know, my position is like, I don't trust any politician uh, ever. Right. And that's why I went down there and I talked 100%. to people. And my, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and my opinion is based on uh, what mm-hmm. I've heard from the people, you know, in the future, if, if that develops, then I think absolutely we should be more secure, uh, concerned about it and, and start to speak up. But, you know, in the meantime, it seems like it's good. People are happy. And also the country comes from, you know, a great distrust of their government. And I'm not sure if that's true with Cuba in the past, too, but I know that they like Bukele, but I'm not so sure that they're like, rah, rah, we trust the government, um, you know, entirely. So, uh, again, uh, my position is if it becomes a problem, if the people down there are saying, hey, this is a problem you know like um um we can't speak out there's no free press there's these things which they're saying now but i don't see very much evidence of it um but i think if it becomes a problem in the future we we should we should address it then but for now i just don't see any body or any person outside of the citizens of El Salvador that have a greater say of what they can and cannot do with their country or what is and what is not good yeah
1: good to hear uh, i'm just scared that like Bukele is probably fine, uh, but what I'm what scares me is whatever government takes off over after Bukele when when they have this big prison infrastructure and this big police force, uh, you know, and you, you you don't get a Bukele on top, but you get some someone with way worse intentions. That's but that, uh, that's always a risk, and I guess if a country is in uh, you know, on the verge of a civil war, almost. You you need to clean it up. That's that sort of that politician's job. Even though, yeah, you know, you know what I what we hear at the Freedom Footprint show think about politicians and governments yeah. in general.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you too. Like, I don't trust. I mean, I, you know, with Bitcoin, you learn not to really trust anybody. Um, of course, you develop friendships, and you know, you do build trust with people, but in general, um, you don't trust. But you know, uh, I'll, I'll give you a hard question, like along these lines, right? So let's say the people of El Salvador, the vast majority of them want Bukele for a third term, fourth term, fifth term. What do you think of that? And who has the right to tell them? In, well, uh, otherwise,
1: I, I don't know uh, what the, their constitution says. Can he be reelected a third time? Who wrote the constitution? I don't know who wrote the constitution, but it's probably a dead person. So from a strict Austrian economics perspective, that would be an invalid contract on the, uh, just because, because all the people who wrote it are dead.
0: Right. So the constitution is like, it's politics, right? So you have the Bukele side that says, Hey, there's the constitution says you can only run, you can't run back to back. And, but I've heard one of their tactics is they're going to have him bow out six months or something before his term is up, and then he can run again. So uh, I think the Constitution is muddy. You know, one side says, absolutely, he can't do it. The other side says, hey, there's a way that he can do it. But again, I'd t- I, th- I like to think a level higher and think, well, if 90% of the people want him, right, what, someone else is going to step in and say, hey, this document that was written in, I'm pretty sure after the Civil War, and who knows what kind of influence is, right? I mean, we know about IMS giving money to countries and, okay, you want this money, you have to, you know, uh, agree to these terms. I'm not sure, but I imagine that the Constitution was probably written in a similar uh, manner. And so, yeah, I, I don't think the Constitution matters as much. The people should be able to change the Constitution. And um, um, yeah, but I, I understand people's wariness of, hey, like having someone in power for a long time. But on the flip side, if 90% of the country wants it, who can tell them no?
1: But this is the dilemma of politics. Like, this all reminds me of the Weimar Republic Article 38, which was like emergency measures because they had a hard economic time inflation hit hard i mean the weimar republic had a a very solid constitution but because they implemented this article 38 that that's the the very article that hitler then used to to ban all the parties he didn't like and take absolute control of the country later down the line so this is the thing with constitutions and with you know changing rules in general and this is the, what I view as the best argument for conservatism. There is that if, if the rules are really, really hard to change, then at least people know what, what kind of rule book to play by. Like, so you can always circumvent those, the rules that are there and there's some sort of form of stability into the future, which is partly why I'm in love with Bitcoin, because it's really fucking hard to change the rules. It's almost impossible to change the rules. Unless everyone thinks it's a good idea. And then it is what you described, you know, Bukele's third term to be <laughs> an agreement. Um, uh, like there's a consensus around that this is a good idea. So, so why the hell not?
0: Yeah. Um, and again, I mean, um, you know, you you lay the, you, you set your bed, you make your bed and you lay in it. So if the people of El Salvador want him for a third term and fourth term, and if it turns out ugly, you know, I think at this point they're okay with that just because of how bad Things have been before, and um, the, how outside influence has really changed the country. So I don't know. I, I reserve the right to uh, to change my opinion on everything, but so yeah. far it seems like again like a comeback story of a lifetime. You know, yeah. Uh, people like everyone's leaving the country, right? There's no opportunities there. Um, that that's what everybody's goal is. Um, and now it's changing. People actually see that. Hey, maybe I can stay here. Maybe I can make a living here. And all the people that fled are now thinking maybe I can retire in my, in my country. You know, I can go back home. Like, I can't tell you countless people who I've heard, you know, seeing family again for the first time in 10 years or 15 years, bringing their kids. Like a woman got pregnant in El Salvador, left the country uh, to the U.S. because she didn't want to have her raise her kid there. And the kid, first time coming to El Salvador, 20 years old, um, meeting his grandparents. And um, the, the, how quickly things have turned around is absolutely stunning and incredible. And right now, the energy is amazing so i reserve the right to yeah. change my opinion in the future but right now it's it is i think it's the story of the century man maybe a couple centuries it's yeah. It's quite incredible
1: yes i i you know i need to play the devil's advocate in a conversational setting but i'm very glad to hear that i'm very glad to hear of your positive views of the country from what i know that there's not that much of Bitcoin adoption, but that goes for every place in the world that is doing Bitcoin adoption. It takes a lot of time. It's going to take generations, this thing, probably. I mean, it's it's very hard for people to change their mind about something as basic as money. Uh, but but what I do know about El Salvador is that the tourism sector has just boomed since since they did the Bitcoin move. Uh, so Bitcoiners from all over the world go there and spend their money there, it, whether it's fiat or Bitcoin, they they, they enjoy seeing the country and i'm looking forward to seeing it one day myself nothing planned at the moment but one day you never know when but tell me more more about like so you went to el salvador and you made this film come, a comeback country about this change in the country what was your experience making the film and how was it received when when you finally released it and what, what was that experience like
0: Right, so um, I went to El Salvador for the first time in November 2021 during the adopting Bitcoin and a lot of Bitcoin conferences, and also you know when the volcano bonds were announced.
1: Yeah, sounds with a of thing.
0: Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, so I went with Max and Stacy. Uh, we filmed a few Kaiser reports. Uh, we filmed a few other things, and when I was there, I just it felt so nice being there. It was the first time I actually spent Bitcoin, you know, Sats, and it was a beautiful experience. There were two um, women on the beach. And one had uh, you know a phone and a QR code, and the other had a, a beer and a bottle opener. And um, I scan the QR code. It's like I hear a ding. I see the green check mark. I hear, and then I'm holding this cold beer, looking at the sunset, and it was just like all my senses got hit. You know what I mean? Um, I, I and- know
1: uh, this is so hard to explain to people. They, they're like, "Oh, you just spent some money, hurrah!" No, I didn't just spend some money. I spent something. I gave to this. Person in this third world country, I gave something that is incorruptible for the next ten thousand years. Like it's it's so big, and people just don't get that. But I can imagine that feeling. Beautifully put, like the the green the green check mark sure. and, and the opening
0: of the beer. Like, it was <laughs> everything, you know. Like my ear, you know, I heard it, I saw it, I tasted the beer. Like it was all this transaction. Um, and as you say too, yeah. On top of that, yeah, you're you're sending someone this. Beautiful life-changing money. I mean, seems to be the first money ever that can't be inflated. Uh, every other money's been inflated, so it, it is a magical thing. But just talking to people down there, like the vibe was just so nice. People were so kind, uh, you know. Um, and so when I got back home, I, I wanted to learn more about the country, and I, I looked into the history, and then I learned about the Civil War and the U.S.'s involvement in that. Um, you know, we uh, we we gave a five 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 billion dollars. Uh, to the government of El Salvador to help fight the, the guerrillas. I, I don't point fingers at one side or the other, um, but, you know, the reality was people in the country were starving and that's how the guerrillas were able to round up the farmers and these poor people to to fight. And then, you know, we just pour gasoline on it by, you know, funding uh, the war and, and giving them an incentive, the the government incentive, just to keep it going. You know, you're getting a million dollars a day. If the war keeps going, so why not keep it going? So yeah, when I learned all that history and the fact that the gangs actually started in Los Angeles because people fled El Salvador from the civil war, and then Clinton sent a bunch of these people back in um, '96 when he signed the Immigration Act, and then after that, it's just absolute devastation, chaos, murder, rape, everything—the worst you can imagine, right? So learning all of this, I was really inspired. I wanted to put a piece together for the country. Uh, I was just, it was just something that was eating at me, you know, like constantly, I couldn't stop thinking about it, couldn't stop thinking about it. And so, um, I went back in May, uh, with my girlfriend. She was actually really nervous of me going in November. She actually threatened to leave me because she was going to be so stressed thinking that I was going to die in El Salvador. We got past that. And then she went with me in May. On that trip, I interviewed, um, this owner of a hotel down in Bitcoin Beach, El Sonte, um, called Palo Verde. And his story really connected the dots for me. He, like many other people, left the country looking for opportunities. He was a professional. I uh, went, went to school overseas and was doing like, a, you know, business professionalism work overseas and then decided that he wanted to come back to his country and try to improve his own country. The way he thought about doing it was to attract tourism and to start a hotel and the balls to do that based on the image of the country is just crazy. And so that really opened my eyes. And I thought, you know what, that's what I want this film to do. I want to show people the history of El Salvador, and hopefully it will inspire them to go visit and to go be a part of this change and to con- continue help these people uh, flourish. That was really when I connected the dots. And I knew what the storyline was going to be. And then you know, I already work 50, 60 hours a week doing films for businesses. So in my off time. And uh, in my normal, you know, girlfriend time, I started carving up some of that time and putting it towards the film. I chopped it together in about four months, presented it, the first rough draft to people at BitBlockBoom. Privately, the response was tremendous. I mean, absolutely tremendous. Um, Not only people were saying, you know, there were so many things I didn't know about. And like, I learned a lot in this little 10 minute film, but also the how engaging it is and the pace of it. And it's just it's much different than any other, any other like Bitcoin content out there. And so that, that was really great. Of course, I have people I had people that were warning me that, you know, hey, you might come under some fire and um, get some heat for, you know, like putting Bukele on a pedestal or, you know, um, making him seem like he's this great guy. But again, I, I try to leave out any opinions and, and just talk to people on the ground and real people and just tell that story. And um, honestly, I didn't get too much pushback, to be honest with you. Um, it's actually been uh, quite positive all around. So I put the film out on um, September 30th, which was the anniversary of the Clinton signing the Immigration Act. That was a September 30th, 1996, which sent a lot of these gang members back. And then a couple of days later, um, uh, Naibu Kelly is reposting the, the film. And so that led to a lot more attention. You know, a lot of people that I sent the film to like a month ago were finally like, oh, I just watched it, you know, I'm like, yeah, I was sure you did. And then Adopting Bitcoin invited me out to, um, to talk about the film and to screen it. And, and then that led to like a couple uh, Salvadorans who saw the film that were at the event and like came to me, you know, teary eyed after and said, I lived through this. I really appreciate you doing this. I interviewed them also, and I've since added it to the film. And yeah, and then because of all this, too, you know, people really encourage me to, hey, you know, it's time to make a feature film, uh, to pick us, pick a topic and start raising some money. And um, that's what I'm doing now. So, yeah, that, that's kind of the story in a nutshell. What
1: a beautiful story. And um, the the obvious follow-up question here is, of course, what's he paying you? Bukele, uh, that is. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, uh, but, This was uh, all <laughs> on my own time and my own time. <laughs> I, know, I know, dude. I'm, I'm just kidding with you. Uh, that's <laughs> Actually, that- I didn't hear that. For get sure, that. I did hear that from you know <laughs> who's paying this? who who's funding this? I'm like, yeah. bro, it's me <laughs> but that's the thing i I get that question too, like, oh, you're working for Bitcoin now. who's paying you? like, well, <laughs> I'm paying me. Like, what, what the hell is this? And that's the thing Ludwig von Mises said to his wife. Or I don't remember if it was Mises or Rothbard who told his wife, like, if you if you think that going down this Austrian economics rabbit hole is going to make me money, then you should get another husband because no one's going to pay to, to hear this. It's the other way around. They pay fiat economists to tell them what they want to hear, to tell them that you should spend more money. Go- governments should spend more money. Yes, you should subsidize this or this sector. Yes, you should give a tax cut to to this or this industry. That's what they want to hear. So, so doing things for real is, well, it's it. If you do it for the money in the first place, then it's not for real. And we don't do Bitcoin for the money. We do it for the money to change the money. Anyway, uh, so so that film you're working on now, it's a it's a full length feature film, but it's still going to be a documentary, I guess. Yes. Yeah, you said before we, we started that you were going to travel the world and, and do a movie. So, so wh- tell us a bit about that and, and what you're working on and uh, <laughs> what, what, the, what the timeline is. What, uh, yes. for, for lack of a better word, what the roadmap is. The roadmap, that's the yes. word I'm looking for. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, the storyline of the film uh, is... So when I made the uh, El Salvador film, I was very clear that it was an El Salvador film. It wasn't a Bitcoin film. It was an El Salvador film. Of course, Bitcoin plays a big role. And uh, this film will be no different because people have preconceived notions of Bitcoin, I find, and um, if you start with it, you're going to lose a lot of people right off the bat. So this will be a film about inflation, and it's going to answer some basic questions. Why does everything get more expensive? And of course, you know, we're because money's being printed. So then the next question logically is, hey, well, who's getting this money? And in that area, that's what I was doing in Virginia, um, this last couple of days at the Beef Initiative Micro Summit at Ginger Hill Angus in uh, Washington, Virginia, to basically interview people to talk about how inflation is corrupting hell and food and science. Um, So I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Texas Slim and Dr. Brooke Miller, who is a rancher and a doctor, and uh, Dr. Robert Malone, um, the inventor of the mRNA technology. So yeah, so... Why is everything getting more expensive? Who's getting the money? How it's corrupting? Basically, all of the pillars of our life, right? Food, health, science, education, uh, media, housing. Uh, I'm sure your brother can appreciate the housing problem. Knute. Um, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I told that story on another plot, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I heard that. And, and then uh, from there, the question is, okay, so we're inflating. Everything's being corrupted. Uh, what happens next? I'm going to cover that in a few ways. First of all, of course, going back and looking at history, showing every money, has gone this way. It's collapsed and it always ends in just mass poverty and death, essentially. Uh, but also, of course, show it happening now and it happening more modernly. So, like um, going to Argentina, talking to people down there, what's life like with 100% inflation? Uh, Lebanon, maybe, right? What's life like when you're, uh, the value of your currency gets cut 90% overnight? How does life change? And then, of course, going to the places of like scorched earth, perhaps. So, uh, Venezuela, you know, or maybe Zimbabwe. Got to figure out the logistics of it. Yeah. yeah,
1: your girlfriend is not going to be very happy.
0: <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah, El Salvador was just breaking the ice. You know. Yeah, yeah, 51, yeah. Baby. I'm
1: going to South North yeah. Korea and Sudan next.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> uh, but again, just to really answer the question of what happens next, this is what happens next. So it's a black pill for the first half of the film, certainly. Um, put them in a very dark place, and then introduce Bitcoin. This is this first money ever that can't be inflated. And this is why. And these are all of the bad things you've heard about it. And this is the other side of that, right? Um, energy, right? Here's people, look at people living without any energy. They desperately need energy. And Bitcoin can, can bring that to them, right? Can you lose all your money? Absolutely, you can lose all your money. If you don't take custody, if you try to get yield on it, if you borrow against it, perhaps, if you, if you, if you lend it out, right? So yeah, that's the flow of the film. Why does everything get more expensive? Who's getting it? what happens next? What is all this Bitcoin stuff? And then it ends with, um, you know, um, money is essentially confidence. And, um, you know, what money do you put your confidence in? A money that can be inflated or money that can't be inflated? Um, So that's the storyline. That's the plan. And I hope to have it done by the having. Oh, nice. Oh, well, it's a
1: beautiful idea and a beautiful plan. And the Hal Finning The halving is, is like one and a half years away or something, right? I, I think it's one or maybe even less, depending if it keeps yeah. going up. Yeah. yeah, I haven't checked for a while. I, I mean, uh, uh, the, ha- the halvings are just there in the background somewhere. And uh, every once in a while, you get reminded that, oh, this thing is happening as well. This is why this thing is so cool. I mean, <laughs> I should probably pay attention to this.
2: Today's show is brought to you by our sponsors. First up, Orange Pill App, Stack Friends Who Stack stats. Meet like-minded Bitcoiners near you, and speed up hyper-Bitcoinization with OrangePill app. Bitcoin isn't an online-only phenomenon, and OrangePill app helps facilitate the social layer, connecting Bitcoiners in their local area. The best part is it maintains your privacy through the whole process, and since you have to subscribe to access the app, you know that everyone there is high signal and cares about Bitcoin. A great new feature is events. You can now create local events and meetups right from the OrangePill app to help build your local community while maintaining the Bitcoin-only signal. OrangePill app is available on iOS and Android. Download now. Next up, Wasabi Wallet. An open source, non-custodial desktop Bitcoin wallet that is trustless, easy to use and affordable. It has CoinJoin built in to facilitate your privacy. Every Bitcoin transaction leaves a clear footprint, but with Wasabi, you can make sure that others can't track your steps and threaten your sovereignty. Just send your coins to Wasabi, wait, and your coins will be private on the other end. It's open source, trustless by design and non custodial. You have full control over your keys. Check it out now at wasabiwallet.io. Double check that link. That's wasabiwallet.io.
1: Let, let me plant a thought in your head. This is, uh, this is what I've been incorporating into my talks, and uh, I'm elaborating on the on the subject further and further. That maybe you heard the idea that if your brain is the only place the seed phrase exists in, then you are your Bitcoin, literally. Uh, that's one of my mind dynamite monger shticks. <laughs> but if you think about it, even deeper than that, you realize that all Bitcoins are like that because all it is is keeping a secret. So even if you have your seed phrase on a hardware device or uh, a piece of paper or anywhere else, then whoever gets access to that thing has the Bitcoin. But where that thing is, where the location of that thing is, and that it actually is a Bitcoin private key, because that might not, if people just see 12 random words, might not be as very easy to figure out that that is what it is, well, if that information is all in your head, then you are your Bitcoin too. So when you think deeply about that, then everyone in Bitcoin is their own bitcoins, so there's no distinction between this network and the person and the people in it and you can think about it even deeper than that like what's a no what 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 does it mean to run a node? Well, you run a node, we say that you you uh, buy a Raspberry Pi and you install Umbrella or Minot or whatever and you run the software. But what 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 is that really? The, like the software is only a tool for helping you calculate. You're the one that makes the active choice to solve the problem in the first place. The the problem is finding a is making sure that miners find a correct random number that represents the the next block in the blockchain. Or the the next block in the time chain. But the, the machine itself, uh, the computer, is, is just a tool to, make you, to, to help you calcu- uh, calculate this number. It's nothing but a fancy abacus. So it's an extension of your mind. So in a very real and very true sense, you're the node. The, 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 the hardware is not the node. The software is not the node. You're the node because you're the one making the active choice. Now, yes. now, th- now think of the miners themselves. Uh, what are they doing? I mean, there's big ass uh, (laughs) data centers full of ASICs that that try to guess this random number over and over again, and it's consuming more energy than Switzerland and all this stuff. But is that really the miner? Well, what are these ASICs doing? They're calculating. So they're just guessing a number. Uh, They're helping us guess the number because the number has to fit certain criteria. It has to. You know, incorporate transactions that were in the mempool and run through a hash and so on. But all it's doing is getting a number. So not even the ASICs are the mine. The miners, like the miner, is the actual person making the choice to buy the hardware and start guessing the number. So yes. every everything in Bitcoin starts and ends with a human being and a human mind. It is. Truly, literally all in our heads. The computers yeah. surrounding it are are just tools to help us calculate faster. But it is at its core all in our heads. And yes, which means that we all are. I mean, the saying goes, we're all Satoshi except Craig, which yeah. is true. But what's even truer than that is that we're all Bitcoin, literally. So, So if we're all Bitcoin, if I am Bitcoin and you are Bitcoin and the people of El Salvador are Bitcoin, then you are me. And I am you. You are the people of El Salvador. I am the people of El Salvador. Luke is the people of El Salvador and a, a couple of, a handful of people in Finland. And to me, when, when when you start seeing it this way, this is like, to me, getting to these thoughts were like uh, yet another deeper level of rabbit hole, you know? Because I, I'm sure if you've noticed when raising money for the new film that it's, pretty easy to get people on your side in Bitcoin. And it's kind of mind-blowing how appreciated your work is because it's related to Bitcoin and helps Bitcoin. And this is because all of the Bitcoiners incentives are aligned. We all want Bitcoin to succeed, so we all want to help one another. And it's very beautiful like that. And if you add the lowered time preference on top of that, it's even more beautiful because we all want to help each other make quality stuff and not just make a quick buck. Yes. So yeah, add 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 that together with the fact that we literally are each other. Yes. That's like no wonder our incentives are aligned. But all of a sudden, we have a system where where we we can truly be what all these new age LSD of <laughs> shamanistic people tell tell you all the time that we're we're all the part of the same consciousness and whatnot. That is actually true now. Like, it and we can prove it. Because we have the time chain, and I can prove that we are our private keys. I can prove that we you are me. It's it's ridiculously so. So why shouldn't we just help one another with everything? And why shouldn't our incentives be all aligned? And why shouldn't we just be nice to one another? And this is the the thing I think that people misinterpret about Bitcoin and what what a hyper Bitcoinized world looks like. It's just everybody being fucking awesome to one another all the time. And yeah. What could be better than
0: that? Yeah. Yeah. A, so. Uh, one, one thing, uh, so what, what I think about is a few things, right? So Max Kaiser talks about this, like we're heading to like the Bitcoin singularity. So it sounds a lot like what, what you just described, right? Yeah. Like we yeah. all realize we're all one. Yeah. We, all, we are all one. And ultimately we, we all do want the same things. But as you say, Bitcoin, this protocol, these rules, it was, these are the perfect rules to incentivize that, to tap into our human nature and to actually make us behave that way. Um, and so exactly. another thought, right? Right. So another thought that I had is people always, you know, there's this there's this debate in Bitcoin, like, oh, Bitcoin needs this, Bitcoin needs us to do this, and yeah. um, if we follow your line of thinking, and we are Bitcoin, there is no separation, and and that's my position too. People like it goes back to the argument: has Bitcoin already won? Yes, Bitcoin has already won, and people will say, well, you're just gonna sit back on your hands and just wait and and wait for it to succeed. No, it has infected me. It has infected you. It has changed you. Like, absolutely. Fundamentally changed you. Yeah. Totally. You know, you can't not have this podcast. You can't not write your books. Like, go ahead and try to stop yourself. Yeah. 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 Right. So, Bitcoin has already won, and Bitcoin doesn't need anything. It's all happening naturally, organically. And like you say, Bitcoiners love to help other Bitcoiners because it's just a win, win, win. If I'm successful, that means more people find out about Bitcoin. That means there's less suffering in the world. That means that my wealth increases. That you know, it's it's just there's all positives all the way around. So yeah, it is it is very beautiful, and it's almost as if like it's an it's another dimension. And maybe it's maybe it's with time. Maybe maybe it lives with time, uh, that dimension of time, but. It's it's yeah, like this yeah, other. It's that easy. It is time. It's the perfect representation of the scarcity of human time. So it is time in that sense. So it is a dimension. Absolutely. I think we're just plugging into it, right? So like I see it as like you have your seed phrase, and there's like you know a what, however many a trillion or a hundred or you know a hundred trillion different safes, you know, and the seed phrase is your key to that one safe, that one locker, and, and you're just that you're you're accessing that dimension. Um, you know, with, with that seed phrase. And um, the same thing with the node is, you know, um, you are replicating the, I guess, that the Bitcoin's attachment to time, right? It's like, uh, it is like a node, like a plant, you know, like, the more there are, the, more, the wider it gets, it can survive um, greater and greater cataclysms or disasters. But also, you know, you don't just run a node because you want to protect the network, you run a node because You want privacy, you want uh, security, you want to make sure that your transactions are going through. So like that incentive works too. Um, And then of course, same thing with mining. Like, as you say, there's this competition happening in the dimension of time um, to process these transactions and um, these computers are simply plugging into that and competing um, to make sure that no one can control the transactions and censor people like they did in Canada.
1: And and when when we say these computers are tapping into that, what we really mean is that these people are tapping into that because their computers are just the tools they use to tap into that.
0: Yeah, it's like the so people's so, arms; they're like additional yeah, fingers yeah. or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's like the monkey figuring out that he can use a piece of grass straw to put into the hole of the the ant hill to get more ants per second to eat. Like that. That yes, a computer is just that it's the monkey figuring out that he can use a tool yes the, and, and, and i mean i can't stop thinking about this because it's it's so damn beautiful i mean bitcoin has uh, been called a life form many times over and uh, you know it was brandon Quidham who wrote that ar- beautiful article about mycelia and bitcoin being a, a form of fun- fungi uh, uh, a fungus uh, and and all of that stuff it's nice and itself, but but the it's it's simpler than that of course bitcoin is a life life form because it's nothing but us it's us like it's a life form it's a human being it's a ton of human beings uh, we just have another cardiovascular system now that connects us uh, between between our bodies and not within our only within our bodies we have a cardiovascular system outside of our our physical bodies and it, it's yeah, I can't yeah. stop talking about it. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. No, <laughs> but- it's fascinating. And it's great because the mining, right? The, the outcome of the mining is tapping into energy. Uh, yeah, and, uh, again, there are yeah. so many people around the world who don't have that base level of energy. Like literally, there are people dying every single day because they don't have energy. And yeah. so it's another just beautiful bl- bl- uh, blossoming, blooming uh, as a byproduct of this, right? We, yeah. we are we are competing to, to guess this number. And therefore we are trying to get more ants out of the hole. And that innovation makes us want to get more energy and getting yeah. more energy is going to give more energy to people around the world. So, I, I mean, like, that's the most beautiful thing about Bitcoin is it's really hard to find a negative, really, other than yourself, right? Like like making a mistake yourself and, yeah. and fucking yeah. yourself over. But yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is the, what you have to pay that's to have you. A, a sound <laughs> exactly to have a sound money and like 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 you say like we all have the same goals right we all really just want to be healthy we want to have a house we want to raise a family and i think in general people want to be kind to each other and they want to help people who need help yeah but, but what happens is when when you're when you're in power i think what you want to do is you want to stifle competition and the way you stifle competition is you keep people weak and yeah. you can see that in China, literally people starve over there, right? I mean, how can you revolt if you if you don't have any energy? Um, and I think that's what happens here. And it's all about division. It doesn't matter what the division is, black, white, gay, straight, trans, whatever. Like, it, they just want to divide us, have us talking about this or that. You're the bad person. You're the bad person. And it's easy for them to do that because they can put studies together to say what they want the studies to say. And then the studies go to the news, which are funded, uh, you know, by advertising by a lot of times the same companies or sister companies, and so this fake money gives these people the power to put that message out there to the lemmings, to the sheep, to the people that will just believe it. And so you take that away, and you have these companies and these governments actually operate on a budget. You're not going to have so much of that bullshit brainwashing stuff out there. Less division going on, and people will realize you know we're all, we're all very similar we all want the same thing and yeah like you know like you, you don't have to condemn somebody because they don't believe what you're doing or or be hyperbolic and say you know if you don't wear a mask you're killing people and therefore you know i feel okay killing you yeah. right cuz that seems that seems logical you know if you're killing people i can kill you well when you say them though like we have to remember that even them
1: are the same as you and me and they have the same flaws in their brains so that power absolute power corrupts absolutely and i think like you and me would probably have been corrupted too if we were given unlimited. Hundred percent.
2: You know yeah. that's
0: that's the thing. I tell people it's, if I if I gave you a money printer for your for your bedroom, are yeah. you sure you wouldn't use it? You know, are you sure? Because yes. I think of the meme of like the priest. There, there's a meme of a priest, the equivalent to like you know the temptation of money printing. And he's like praying and right next to him is like a a a very sexy girl. Oh, yeah, with yeah, yeah. Pants that, down. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's like, Oh <laughs> yeah, 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 know, yeah. That's exactly what, what it is, man. So yeah. you're Come absolutely in- right. They are just people, just like you and I. They are just in the position that they're in. And if we were in their position, we would probably do exactly the same yeah. thing.
1: Yes, and what Bitcoin does, it, it removes the ability to do that. Yeah, f- hopefully, for the priest, it, it doesn't really remove that beautiful woman, but it, it gives him the choice. Uh, uh, I mean, but it removes the temptation. That's, that's the thing, because, because there's no temptation there. It's, it's, not, it's not possible. The temptation, exactly. is, the, the temptation is to follow the rules uh, rather than to break them. Because we have rules yes. without rulers now, the rules that we all benefit from.
0: Just yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I was in the tech industry for a bit. I started a mobile app development company with a business partner of mine who became a very good friend. And I, I considered a brother at one time. And because of that, I was very loose with our business agreements. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it was possible for him to fuck me. And because of that, he did fuck me. And I was bitter for uh, a while, but I realized that it was my fault. You know, I left yeah. that as a possibility. And so he I was,
1: <laughs> so he was the priest, and you were like wiggling your
0: ass. <laughs> exactly,
1: it was too tempting. <laughs> um, <laughs> Luke is shaking his head. Are we getting banned, Luke? What's what's going on? <laughs> I think we'll be fine. Uh, you,
2: you're just so good with your analogies, always, Canute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, there's the, there's that sarcasm again. I can I yes. can spot it these days, Luke. You can. <laughs>
0: so so yes making things impossible is important it it's very important and and that's why with bitcoin you know um making it impossible to inflate the money is 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 the magic of it if it's if it's impossible to inflate money it yeah. will be inflated eventually for sure yeah th- this is the
1: thing uh by making money scarce you make everything else abundant and by making uh, money printing impossible you make everything else possible and by 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 instilling you know don't trust Verify into every mind of every Bitcoiner in the world. You, you create this network of people who trust each other. It's, it's just, uh, it's just beautiful. And by creating money for enemies, you get the byproduct of love. It's all of these beautiful, what's the word? Dichotomies? Is that the yes. word? Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that's why, like, you know, when, I, when you make a film about Bitcoin or you do anything about Bitcoin, you yep. have to be very careful, right? Because I I agree with you a hundred percent, and I I see all the beauty in that, you know. But if you start talking like that to a normal person, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. gonna be like, oh, what? A, wait a second, this is all this woo woo kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, But um, yeah. but this yeah, is a
1: preaching preaching to the choir, show. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly.
0: Which is great because you know iron sharpens iron, and we're we're both um you know solidifying our ideas even more and and everything. So yeah, it's it's great. I, I love the way your your brain um. Things like
1: this, <laughs> no, thank, all these things, you. you know. I, I love yeah. talking about it. Uh, I, I mean, I know I'm a whole salesman to a certain extent, uh, and you know that it might be t- too out there. But I think Bitcoiners re- re- need their conviction reinforced every now and then because it's it's quite easy when you live in fiat world or, or clown world. To forget why why we're doing this thing in the first place, because clown world is putting up a lot of a lot of hinders in in your way uh, to be to, to blossom as a bitcoiner, which is why it's so beautiful to come to El Santo and pay for a beer with sats, right? Because you see that it's it's really this easy. It was this easy all along. It's just that we were f- too fucking stupid to see it. But it's just to be nice to one another. That's all it is. That's all it takes.
0: Yeah, and I'm, hope is really. Um equivalent to the future, right? I mean, um, if you have no hope, you really don't look forward to the future. Um, You know, you you basically don't have a future. And so I I think uh, one of the reasons why Bitcoiners in general are so hopeful is because, well, thank God I learned about all the problems of money um, after Bitcoin existed. Because if I learned all the problems and then realized that there was no fucking way out, um, that would be depressing. I would probably very seriously consider not having a family, not having kids, because what's the point, right? Why bring them into a more difficult world? Uh, That's guaranteed. So you need hope. If if there's no hope, then you might as well just commit suicide because, um, I mean, I mean, what's the point? What what really is the point of going on if it's just going to get more and more difficult? Like, it, it makes more sense just to commit suicide. I um, I recommend.
1: I would hereby like to recommend a book by Michael Malice called The White Pill, his latest book, because it's about the Soviet Union and how the situation was exactly like that for everyone. There was like no hope for the future. Everything was very very dark, and then it just disappeared overnight. Basically, when when that empire fell. So, no matter how dark it gets, like there's always a a light at the end of the tunnel, and that's the thing. Bitcoin is hope. Uh, Here's another cliche, but but it's true. Uh, It's a remedy for cynics for sure. And uh, yeah, I was one of them. Like Bitcoin has, and not only in me, but in my extended family, and it 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 has given us an injection of hope that there's the future might not be uh, so bleak after all. Uh, there there's something really hopeful going on here
0: yeah and even for the people who don't get get in now right that's something you hear too is like oh well the people that get in early are going to benefit what about the people who didn't get in when the tides turn and honestly it's good for them too you like you're finally going to live in a money in a yeah. world with sound money so yeah. it's hope for yourself it's hope for everybody i mean bitcoin it like you say is us it's just us so it applies to all of us it's going to benefit all of us <laughs> it'll wreck it'll wreck some of us yeah.
1: The, the, the really w- the, one of the weirdest thoughts I have, and this is like hopium salesman on steroids, but it is that it, it, as, as Bitcoin grows and as we get this global, actual free market that we never had before without mm-hmm. any friction, what, does, what that does in the long run is that it, uh, it reduces the uh, production costs and the transportation costs of everything, even in fiat terms. Which means that even no coiners benefit from Bitcoin's success, <laughs> and that's just mind blowing. Like so, so, so everyone benefits, not only us. Uh, so saying that you're too late to Bitcoin is just like no, no one's too late. Like we this thing is happening regardless of what you think about it, and it's going to make your life better regardless of what you think about that. So, so that's just this thing playing out, and uh, yeah, I love to see it and i and i can't wait to see the movie and so so uh, wh- what's the timeline you said you released the other one on the the uh uh the, the same date as when clinton uh sent troops to el salvador was that the signed the immigration act
0: which yeah. a lot of criminals back yeah ships ship
1: criminals back yeah so 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 when is this
0: new movie due to come out yeah so i'm hoping to have it done by the having um we'll we'll see oh yeah, you know, yeah, how it yeah develops. It yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see how it develops. Um, but um, one thing to note is, you know, I'm, I'm still raising funds for it. So uh, what I'm doing is I have like, I'm filling 20 seats, okay, um, for investors, and each seat is like 25,000 bucks. So I'm halfway through now. Adam Back was my first investor. So that was pretty rad. Oh, nice, nice. And that, that made me a little more biased. You know, now I'm like, yeah, Adam Back is Satoshi. Yeah, definitely. Adam Back is Satoshi. You know, yeah, Satoshi so- <laughs> was the first investor <laughs> in my film. So you're uh,
1: backed by Adam. Yeah yeah
0: exactly uh just, yeah a bit and that was really great he i mean like the day after i announced i was doing the film he reached out to me and was on board like immediately and that was tremendous like uh, all kinds of momentum came after that um but um so the idea is to get 20 investors and myself and we will be the 21 feathered serpents uh feathered serpent is um nice. an aztec god that came to the aztecs um they called him quetzalcoatl they called him Cucuclan. there was like 10 or 12 or 15 different names for him across the world. Basically, um, you know, that's Osiris in Egypt, for example. And the people talk to them, talk about them as gods or, or very advanced humans. They, they called them gods, but, but they're humans um, that came and taught them where to farm, how to farm, how to hunt, where to hunt, how to build a civilization. And so now I think what people need most is sound money, obviously. And that's what we're doing as the 21 feathered serpents. We're, we're, we're going around the world. We're sharing stories and we're trying to spread this message of Bitcoin, uh, to bring peace and, and civilization uh, around the world. So, um, as I say, yeah, I'm halfway through. So anybody who watches this, if you have the means and interest to help me make a badass film, if you look at my stuff and you can see it on Netflix, that's the goal. Um, you know, then h- help me make it a reality. Um, Otherwise, you know, sit back and and enjoy and um, at at a minimum, it'll be a a fabulous tool for Bitcoiners to introduce non Bitcoiners. You know, Um, it's a much easier ask to uh, watch a film than it is to read a book. Um, And, um, and you can smash a lot of information in a film, you know. Um, And so I think it'll be a good tool to share with people, hey, watch this, you'll see why things are getting more expensive, how it's corrupting all of this stuff, the history of money how, um, you know, inflation is happening all over the world, why Bitcoin can't be inflated, why all the FUD is bullshit. And then, you know, read, uh, everything divided by 21 million, uh, you know, read, uh, the Bitcoin standard. Um, and so, yeah, I'm hoping just to trip people down the rabbit hole in you know, 60 to, to 90 minutes. So anybody out there who wants to help me, if you have the means and interest, um, it, it would be greatly appreciated.
1: Yeah. And if you don't feel humble enough to be a serpent half god just yet, you can support the Freedom Footprint Show instead and <laughs> maybe buy a book. Book, uh, though, guys. help me <laughs> out, for <come> on. <laughs> man, man, man. Now we're helping uh, one another. Uh, all our, our incentives are aligned. That's what this before. for. So, yeah, if, the, if there's anything we can do to help the project, we'd love to too. Uh, we're short on time, of course. That's where we're getting to know all these awesome people. But, yeah. You've been it's, reading your Graham Hancock, haven't you?
0: yeah, well, i I've been following Graham Hancock for a while now, and then, of course, the ancient apocalypse stuff on Netflix has really um has really put it out there. But yeah, I, I believe that the these feathered serpents back then were people that were from a, a advanced civilization that got wiped out during the floods. and they went around the world and they went to different hunter-gatherer civilizations who actually could survive a cataclysm and they tried to, you know, um, restart civilization. That makes the most sense to me based on all of the data that's out there, the the, uh, the asteroid impacts and, um, you know, the Sphinx weathering, right? The embankment of the Sphinx has a rainwater weathering that couldn't have occurred um, uh, sooner than 12,000 years ago. So the Sphinx embankment w- was there at least that long. No one really knows how the pyramids are built. They're astronomically aligned to Orion's belt. Like, Orion's Belt and the Nile River match the skies. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The pyramids and the Nile River match Orion's Belt and the Milky Way, um, twelve thousand eight hundred years ago, which is when the Great Flood happened. So it, it's clear that there was a lot of knowledge back then. Yeah, I buy into that. I, I think that that's what happened. These people went around the world. They were very intelligent, and and they were showing people how to live. And again, I, I really see us Bitcoiners as the modern day feathered serpents. You know, Bitcoin is the thing that is going to change the world. And as I said before, I think even if I don't make this film, it will do that. But I think I can maybe push it along a little bit. I can go, you know, go to these places, share these stories, and hopefully be, be a feathered serpent with with Bitcoin. So yeah, absolutely, man.
1: Yeah, and as you said before, you just can't stop yourself, right? <laughs> I, I know the feeling. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I remain a, uh, you know, Super advanced uh, in civilization 12,000 years ago. Skeptic, but I am uh, willing to read the book. Luke, uh, you, you you'll have to remind me what the what it is later on. So yeah, yeah. well,
2: well, for anyone curious, it's fingerprints of the gods. At least that's what you should start with. And there's yes. a couple of follow-ups, magicians of the gods, America before. But uh, yeah, Graham Hancock. Uh, i'm a big fan as well and all right
0: yeah uh, graham hancock actually wrote a book about like the world banks i didn't know i have to read it it still it's called the lords of poverty and he basically was talking about how the different um big like uh um, world aid organizations red cross and stuff like that are all corrupt and uh, and then he ends really with like the world bank apparently yeah we'll see i I, i'm definitely like part of getting on netflix is you have to headhunt right um it, it makes it much more likely that they'll pick up the film if you have big names and faces in there, which is why I was in Virginia, honestly, to interview Robert Malone, um, and it just worked out great. Like, you know, I love what the guys are doing with the Beef Initiative, and I I wanted to help them too. So I'm like, look, you help me get an interview with him, give me 25, 30 minutes with him, and I'll film the event. You know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll be there for the day, and you know, value for value, and that worked out great. And so, yeah, one of the heads I want to get is is Graham Hancock, and so uh, he's going to go to a few events this year, a few conferences. So i'm gonna go get his ass but yeah it's super fascinating stuff
2: the show is also sponsored and produced by consensus network the first bitcoin only publishing house consensus specializes in translations of bitcoin books and also publishes original titles in english and many other languages check out bitcoinbook.shop or consensus.network to see everything consensus has to offer we're also always looking for new contributors whether you have a book you want to publish you want to help translate books into your native language, or you have some other way you want to get involved. So if you want to help spread the Bitcoin message, reach out to us by Twitter or email. Details are in the show notes. And finally, you can check out knutsvonholm.com for everything knut, including some great Everything Divided by 21 Million merch and the Infinity Red Limited Edition wine. That's knutsvonholm.com for everything knut.
1: Yeah. So, 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 where can, where can we meet you? What what conferences are you go or are you going to? Are you coming to Miami, for instance?
0: Yeah, I'll be there in Miami. I'll be in Canada in July for the uh, Bitcoin Rodeo. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh huh. And I'm going to be in uh, Guatemala in the first week of May for the Bitcoin Summit. And then, Calgary, uh,
2: by the way, is that uh, Bitcoin Rodeo?
0: I, I think it's in Calgary. It might be in Alberta
2: yeah, yeah. Um, that, but that's, yeah those uh, are, it's the calgary stampede is the is the thing that's always in july that makes sense glad uh, glad to hear that's happening okay Not cool.
0: yeah yeah so those are the plans for now and then you know as these as these things unfold you know things things change and who knows who knows where i'll be but for now um yeah and the guy the beef guys want to go to Nigeria too they have like a like a branch out there that they've been helping the uh, cattlemen out there and so maybe we'll, um, we'll we'll do that together. Um, but yeah, I really like what those guys are doing at, at the Beef Initiative. All right. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you in Miami then. Absolutely, oh, man. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll be there um, from the 17th to the 21st, I think. Uh, yeah, me too. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah, Luke. Do we have any quest, uh, any other questions for Shooter or? Uh, yeah.
2: Honestly, I think this has been a good, a good chat. Uh, we've gotten to know you. Uh, looking forward to seeing more of your book, or sorry, your work. <laughs> yeah, I'm staring at Canoe's <laughs> damn book. His uh, <laughs> praxisology book. There fuck I'm books.
1: <laughs> yeah, fuck books. <laughs> They're boring as hell to write and no one reads them anyway.
2: This show is sponsored by Consensus Network. Uh, pick up all your Bitcoin books at uh, bitcoinbooks. Just. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, awesome. Um, got a great uh, preview of your of your work, Shooter, and uh, looking forward to seeing what you're going to produce. I enjoyed the little Graham Hancock a uh, little bit there, so. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll get new to, to read Fingerprints of the Gods one of these days. So maybe yes. we'll find the audiobook or something like that.
1: But My, maybe we'll start uh, our own Discovery Channel one day. Uh, what do you That'd think? That would be good. The, yeah. This might be our own Discovery Channel, by the way. We, we uh, might have already started it on our way, on yeah. our way. <laughs> Any, and go to comebackcountry.com and, and see the comeback country. I can't say that. Comeback ca- country, country. Comeback country it must be my, my inner Swede having
0: a uh,
2: common cunt in the same little sentence.
0: And... <laughs> yes, that was that. Actually, I'm glad you found the Easter eggs.
1: <laughs> that's why That's why it's called yeah it. uh, Anyway, so go and uh, watch Come, count Country um, at, <laughs> as uh, as soon as you can. Uh, yes, we're, you, YouTube is good. Yeah, you're going to have to cut it out if you YouTube bans this thing. Anyway, yeah. great. Great talking to you, Shooter. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Miami. And good luck with anything you do, of course. Because Thank we, you. Thank we you We We are one.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, we are one. We're on the same yeah. page. We're all doing the same mission. Don't worry, boys. I'm going to get it.
1: Yeah, excellent. Awesome. And good luck. Ju- just to say, even if we weren't the same being, I'd still I'd still wish you good luck on our, all of your
0: endeavors. Thank you. Very kind of you. Really nice talking to you guys. Thank you so much, man. I really enjoyed the conversation.
2: Yeah, take care. This has been the Freedom Footprint Show. Thanks for listening.